I want to invite everyone to open your Bible to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 will be in a few different passages this morning, but uh, one of our main ones will be Luke 6. That's uh, the gospel. It's in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And we're going to be in verse 6, uh, verses 35 to 36. And last week, we started a sermon series that will take us through the rest of uh, this calendar year, and it's on the fruit of the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5. And Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, each Sunday from now through the end of the year, we're going to look at one fruit of the Spirit, and for reasons that you might be able to discern or you could wait to find out, we're going to uh, wait till the Advent season to cover love, joy, peace, and patience. And so this morning we're going to be in kindness, uh, how the Spirit empowers kindness in our life. When you think of kindness, what do you think of? What does kindness look like? What does kindness look like? What does it do and who, who does it? What does kindness look like? For some of us, when we think of kindness, we think of niceness. Think of someone doing a nice, kind thing. We have uh, statements like random acts of kindness. Uh, maybe you envision someone helping a, an elderly lady across the street. Um, I know for me, when I uh, was thinking about just kindness, I envisioned uh, the Super Bowl halftime show where Michael Jackson uh, sang Heal the World and everyone held hands. I just thought, oh, that is so kind. It's very, very nice. And that led Jacob to playing the song, Will You Be There, uh, in the Free Willy movie. Anyone, am I dating myself a little bit? Free Willy, will you be there? Carry me <laughs> like you are my brother. Right. Love me like a mother. All right, so that's... I know I can't sing. You don't need to remind me afterwards. But that's, I, we think of kindness, niceness. A nice Michael Jackson song. What makes us feel good. We're freeing Willie. It's a good thing. Uh, for many of us, when we think of a kind person, though, sometimes we associate kindness. And it sounds like the kids are having a lot of fun downstairs. So, <laughs> Anyway, actually, Janelle, would you close the door? Um, when we think of a kind person, we can associate it with weakness. Kindness can be seen as weakness. When we think of a kind person, maybe uh, Mr. Rogers. He's nice. But there's some part of us that looks at him as a little weak. We even snicker uh, Mr. Rogers. We can make fun of him. We have slogans like, nice guys finished last. Because sometimes they do. On our list of the top five traits that we want in a spouse or a leader, I rarely hear kindness making the list. Kindness seems like a nice thing. We should be, but it, uh, sometimes we think it's weak. What does kindness look like in the Bible? <laughs> uh, when the Bible, when, when it talks about fruit of the Spirit being kindness, what does Paul have in mind? I took this week and I looked through all the passages in the Bible that spoke of kindness, and there's two recurring themes. A kindness, what it envisions, what does Scripture envision when it thinks of kindness? First, it envisions God. 
Over and over and over, God is described as kind. In fact, one of the Hebrew terms used to describe God's work, uh, one of the pivotal terms in all of the Bible, is the Hebrew term chesed, which refers to the covenant faithfulness of God, the kindness of God toward his people. It's why in Psalm 36 it says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. God is envisioned as kind. And then it's also interesting, as I look through the scripture, over and over, when it, when it uh, spoke of kind actions, it talked about loving people who don't always love us. Being kind to people who are unkind to you. It's why in Ephesians 4, Paul, speaking of kindness, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He's like, let bitterness go, anger go, slander go, malice go. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Over and over, when it speaks of kindness, it talks about mercy and forgiveness. The idea of We need to love and be kind to people who don't always deserve it. People who aren't always kind in return. That's why Jesus in Luke 6, 35, he says, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Biblical kindness envisions God and it envisions God and his people being kind to others who don't always deserve it. And I can think of no more timely message the Sunday before Election Tuesday. We live in a politically divided world. That's an understatement. And the real challenge and the question for us in this political moment How does the kindness of God shape us? How do you relate to people who you might disagree with? How do you relate to people who might be unkind to you? How do you relate to others who are outside of your tribe, your party? You know, some send bombs in the mail. Some show up at a synagogue and murder people. And you know, we can think, I will never send a bomb in the mail. I, don't, I wouldn't do that, but we'll murder people in our heart. And that's where it begins. And so this morning, let's consider how, you know, if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, what we do here, what we try to be about is we want to go and we say, what does Jesus have to say? How does he shape us? We don't want to just be shaped by our world. We admit that we are in ways that we would not like. What does he have to say? How does the gospel speak into our political moment? That's what we try to do here at Scarlet City. That's what we're humbly trying to get at is what does Jesus have to say? How does he shape us? And if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, this is a great opportunity for you to, for you to hear, for you to listen, for you to see Jesus and what he did because there's so much talked about Jesus in the political realm. This is a great opportunity for you to, for you to Listen and see what is in his own words, his own actions. What does Jesus espouse? What is he for? So the question before us, what does kindness look like in our political moment today? Kindness is a broad idea. 
how does it help us engage in our political moment? I want to make five observations. We're going to, we're going to go through them. What does kindness look like in our political moment? First, kindness looks like genuinely caring for others. A biblical kindness is genuine. It's not fraudulent or manipulative. Uh, in Luke 6, earlier in the passage, Jesus is commending his followers. He says, bless those who curse you. And he says, pray for those who harm you. Bless people who curse you and pray for people who harm or, or abuse you is how it's tra- translated some. Pray for your enemies is what he's saying. Now, the idea of prayer here that Jesus is envisioning is not you're in their presence and you're praying to God, oh, Father, um, be merciful on this person here in front of me, this unkind, wicked person right here. Uh, withhold maybe the lightning for a little bit, for a little bit, I'll bring them to repent. You know, it's not, it's not praying to manipulate them. Sometimes Megan and I can do this. When we're in a fight, uh, we're arguing, and, uh, you know, we want to pray, dear Lord, holy God, Thank you for helping me be so gracious and forgiving. Help me to be forgiving here in this moment. Um, That's not the idea here of praying. It's praying when they're not around. And how can you pray for someone when they're not around? How can you do this? It's when there's a part of you. when, When love isn't just an action out here. But first, it's a way of seeing someone in here. Kindness is genuine. The biblical concept is not to just be kind to manipulate somebody, but it's genuine concern for who they are. Uh, How many of you have lived in the South at all? A number of us. I remember moving to the South, and I, there's a few things when my family moved to Nashville, I noticed they talked different. There was a different accent. And I also noticed that they were very nice. They were very hospitable. Uh, Southern hospitality. It's not just something you buy at the liquor store. It's something you can experience. When you live in the South, they're very nice and very kind. But there's also something you might notice if you live in the South long enough. Sometimes they're nice. And while they're being nice to you, they're being unkind to someone else who's not in the room. It's this niceness out here, but it's not really genuine. In fact, it's a little manipulative. And, but thankfully, it's just people in the South that struggle with that, right? <laughs> no, uh, it's a struggle for us everywhere to be kind externally, but inside. I hate people. That's why Jesus, he says, you've heard that it was said, if you murder someone, you're liable for judgment. But I say, if you're angry with your brother, you're liable for judgment. Jesus is saying, murder begins right here. And God sees your heart. We want to be genuinely kind. And I think that forces us to ask some questions. You know, what can bring about a heart that wants to be kind to someone, that wants to be gracious? And one of the things is, to not allow voices in our life that push us toward anger and hatred. Do you have any of those kind of voices? Are there any voices in your life that are quick-tempered, quick to anger, quick to dwell on what's wrong in another person? Maybe someone in the media, a media personality, maybe someone on talk radio, 
Maybe a friend, maybe a pastor. A lot of pastors can be very angry. Anger. Do you have voices uh, that lead you to hatred? Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. It's not that we can't get angry. Jesus gets angry at sometimes. In fact, in Luke 6, right before this, he says, Woe to you. He speaks to the religious leader. He says, Whoa, Jesus is angry. He's angry. But it's not how he always responds. In fact, that's not even his most initial reaction most of the time. Jesus isn't set off very easily. So we know when he is angry, we should take very close attention to what he's angry about. What voices in your life are leading you to anger and hatred? Kindness is genuine. Also, what does kindness look like in our political moment? Kindness loves across party lines. It is not partisan. Kindness is not partisan. It is not loving just those who are in our tribe. I mean, Jesus here in the past, he says, love your enemies. There's nothing more anti-partisan than this. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Care for them. Bless them. And in our political moment, often what people want to do is they want to put people into boxes, put people into camps. You have men and women, white, black, Hispanic, millennial, boomer, evangelical, Jewish, Muslim. Some of you might be trying to put me in a camp right now. Start talking about politics and you're wondering, oh, where, where's the pastor? What, what, which side? Where is he? Which tribe is he in? What party is he a part to? Is he right or left? Is he a Trump supporter? Is he a Democrat? Trying to put me in a camp. You know, Jesus, on one occasion in Luke chapter 7, he's having a meal with an influential Pharisee, a wealthy person, which even that, for some of us, we we would not be okay with. But Jesus is having a meal with a, a wealthy person, and while they're eating, we have this exchange in Luke 7, Um, Verse 37 says, And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, in other words, if he knew, if he was from God, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. You know, many today, they want to know what sort of person someone is. What box does this person belong in? What sort? Jesus was a prophet. He would have known. This was one that we don't get close to like this. Who would have known? She was outside the tribe. She was not a part. She was not okay to have right here. Do you see people that way? Are, we, are you tempted to put sort people out? Put them in one camp and figure them out? And who are the people that if you are having a meal with Jesus you would really struggle seeing him have a conversation with. Who are those people? The sorts of people 
that you don't think deserve Jesus' love. Imagine you're having a meal and there's Jesus. He's right here. There he is sitting down and you look over and there, there is Jesus and he's laughing and having a conversation with a person wearing a MAGA hat. A Make, a Gre- Make America Great Again hat right there. Does Jesus know? Is, Je- is, is he a Trump supporter? Oh my, if he was a prophet, he would know. He would know better. You look over, you're having a meal with Jesus. And as you're having a meal, someone comes and knocks on the door, rings the doorbell, and there they are asking uh, if you're signed their petition. And they rattle on about their involvement in the LGBTQT community. And, and they're, they, they see a party. They see people having, having food. They just come right in. Okay, you don't want to be rude. You want to be kind. Pastor just preached about it. And there they are. And you look over and they're talking to Jesus. And they have the clipboard out and they're talking. And, you're, and is Jesus, what? Is he one of them? What sort? And Jesus, his response, his response is so great. To the Pharisee, he says, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Do you just see the sort of person she is or do you see her? Jesus sees. He sees. And praise God that he does because I'm outside the camp. (laughs) Praise God that, that Jesus saw me, a sinner, and wanted to bring me in to his family. May I extend that same grace and mercy to others? Do we just see people's tribes or do we see them as people? What does kindness look like in our political moment? That's the question we're asking. Another thing that kindness does, kindness can affirm one thing about someone without endorsing everything. Kindness can affirm something without endorsing everything. Uh, One pastor, Zach Eswine, he put it this way, the cultural right We'll get to the cultural left in a moment. The cultural right will tell you if you affirm one thing about someone, you must and you endorse everything about them. And so we're afraid sometimes about associating with someone or affirming something about someone with whom we may disagree because we wouldn't want people to get the wrong idea. It'll be a slippery slope. And before you know it, we're all liberal. We're all doing the wrong thing is how some think. If you affirm one thing, you endorse everything. So don't affirm anything unless you can endorse everything is what happens. And you know, it's really fascinating about Jesus. You know, if you, if, when he was alive, if you Googled Jesus, if Google was around, <laughs> here's some of the things that, that would come that you would find in your Google search. These are recorded in scripture. Some of the things that were said about Jesus. Listen to these. Maybe they're a little different than what you've heard in church before. But here's what was said about him. Jesus, he is out of his mind, Mark 3. He is possessed by a demon. He's a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, Luke 7. He is a liar, John 8. He is not from God. He is lawful, John 9. Imagine the ads that would have been airing at Jesus' time. Then all black and then. Dun, dun, dun. Jesus, he is a liar, says he's for the people, but he's from Satan. 
Dun, dun, dun. He is evil, John 18. One interesting one is, it says, Jesus is a Samaritan. Jesus is a Samaritan. Why would they think that? Why would, why would they confuse Jesus with being a Samaritan? Here's why. Because he spoke positively of them. Because he could affirm something about them. Because he loved them. And sometimes he even used Samaritans, which in, in his day, Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Different tribes, different ethnicities that blamed the other for their problems. And so the Jews hear Jesus talk about the Samaritan and they think he must be, he's on their side. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners because Jesus can affirm something about someone without endorsing everything. He knows every person is created in God's image. Every person, regardless of tribe, ethnic background, party affiliation, everyone has something that can be affirmed. Jesus can affirm something without endorsing everything. Also, though, how, how to be kind in this political moment, kindness can lovingly disagree. Kindness sometimes disagrees with someone. The political, the cultural left takes it from the opposite end. They say, if you disagree with one thing, you hate everything. If you disagree, you're a hater. And of course, this is a problem because Jesus disagrees with people he loves all the time. Disagrees with people he loves. To a rich young ruler who had said in the passage whom he loved, he responds to this person, he says, one thing you lack, and that person walks away. To someone he was very close to, to Peter one time, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus lovingly disagreed. disagreed. Kindness sometimes disagrees with someone. It disagrees. It can say no. Kindness sometimes corrects. And that's loving. Uh, Meg and I, we have two boys a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and sometimes they don't like us when we tell them no. And uh, just recently we had Halloween. We have a lot of candy, a lot of candy in the home. And, and if you want some, please come and rescue us and take it because it's too much. Pounds of candy. And if it were up to them, our boys Jack and Bennett, they would eat all the candy. They would not stop. They would just eat and get sick. And as loving parents, we love them. And part of our responsibility is to say, no, that's not a good idea. You should not eat all the candy until you're throwing up on the carpet. No. Sometimes, though, their response, they get very upset and they will cry. And over and over, they'll say to us, mommy or or daddy, you aren't being very nice to me. So they'll say, you're not being very nice in tears. And what do we do in that moment? Should Meg and I say, Jack is sad. He wants to eat all the candy. I don't want to be unkind. He thinks I'm not being very nice. Okay, Jack, eat it all. I am sorry. No, we don't do that. That would be bad parenting because he's a child. He doesn't quite quite know yet. And then hopefully when they're teenagers, that stuff never happens. If, If our boys will be anything like me, sometimes 
If my mom told me I can't go do a thing, I would get so upset. It's like, do you hate me, mom? Are you just out to get me? Everyone else's parents let them do whatever they want. And you are oppressive. This is evil. Right? And we look when a teenager responds like that and we don't say, you know what? Yeah, that is good, sound maturity right there. No, we look and say, no, that's a child. That's an adolescent. They don't, their parent is not being unkind to them. They're loving them. But for some reason in our culture, in our day and age, sometimes we, we don't respond that way. We say, you know, if you disagree with someone, you hate them. And you can't do relationships like that. You can't do relationships where anytime someone says no, anytime someone disagrees, your love for them is on the line. That's not good relationships. That's not how it works. Jesus is disagreeing all the time with people who he loves. In fact, sometimes disagreeing is an act of love in and of itself. So we need to resist the cultural temptation that wants to say to you and me that we can't sometimes say no, that we can't disagree. That's foolish. That's foolish. Sometimes kindness says no. Sometimes kindness disagrees. Uh, what does kindness look like in our political moment? It's genuine. It crosses party lines. It affirms without endorsing everything. Sometimes it can disagree in a loving way. And lastly, kindness requires deep inner security and the love of God. It requires a power, a security deep within us that enables us to love in this way. Because when you look at this way of relating, you might be thinking, you know, ah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes Christians can be so naive. We want to be nice and we want to be kind to our enemies and do these kind of things. And then we get taken advantage of. In fact, I've heard people relate that to some of our politi present political situation, that Christians can be very naive, and we need strength. We need someone to put others in their place and stand up for us. And so we look at kindness, and we think that's weakness, or it's just not necessary. We want real power to get our way. And uh, it reminds me, you know, growing up, um, two shows that were on television... There's Mr. Rogers, and Mr. Rogers, you know who Mr. Rogers was in his sweater and all he was, kindness, niceness, and, you know, but as a young boy, I, I would mock Mr. Rogers because I was more about He-Man. Anyone else watch He-Man back in the day? He-Man was the guy, the man, yeah. He-Man was the man. I even watched it recently on Netflix. And he, man, he had the muscles, he had a sword that had magic in it. He just had to lift it up in the sky and say, by the power of Grayskull. And lightning would come down and he had strength and he could conquer evil. We need He-Man. And you have Mr. Rogers, who was genuine by everyone's account who knew him. He crossed party lines. He affirmed the best qualities in people. Sometimes he disagreed. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe real strength isn't just in having muscles or some magic sword. Maybe real strength 
is having the courage to love across divides in our world. And for Mr. Rogers, what allowed this kind of inner strength? He was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. He was a man, I mean, the whole concept of, won't you be my neighbor? Where does that come from? Jesus. (laughs) What does love look like? Jesus shares a story. There's a Jewish man, hurt, left for dead on the side of the road. Two men come by. One Jewish man, a Jewish leader. Another Jewish man, a Jewish leader. They come. They see him hurt. They walk by on the other side. Another man comes down to who? A Samaritan. A Samaritan sees him. Goes, helps him, him, puts him on his horse, takes him to an inn, gives money, provides for him, cares for him. And the question he says is, who is the neighbor? It's a Samaritan. Who is a neighbor in your life? Who is the person you're least likely to help left on the other side of the road? Jesus says, that's the one you're to be kind to. How can we have that kind of kindness? How do we do it? You need to see the kindness of God. There's no other way to have a deep sense of inner security, the kindness of God. Paul puts it this way in Titus 3. He says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. I like this. When the goodness and the kindness of God appeared, when it shows up, we see it. When the kindness of God appeared, he saved us not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but because of his own mercy. When you see kindness, do you see Jesus' work on the cross on your behalf? And the world that wants to manipulate you, and a world that wants to put you in a box, and a world that will only accept you when you toe the party line, in a hate-filled, manipulative world, see the kindness of Christ. And when we see his kindness, when that shapes our inner being, when the Spirit of God presses that truth in, now we have a whole new perspective of strength and power. When the kindness of of Christ on the cross grips us, we enter into our world in our political divides. We want to put people in camps. You know, Jesus, he had no political power. He had no guns. He had no He-Man sword. And yet he launched a movement that reshaped the world. When his power shapes our identity, now we see the power of kindness. The power of loving those who hate you. The power of praying for your enemies. The power of turning the other cheek. The power of godly character. The power of thought. The power of listening to others. The power of caring for orphans and widows. The power of finding the good in others. The power of sometimes being unpopular. The power of protecting those who cannot protect themselves. The power of being present with people in pain. The power of the kindness of the Son of God. Do you see his power? And do people see his power through our lives? Let's pray. God, in our present political moment, kindness 
does not come easy. Lord, help us to see the world as you see it. Help us to experience your loving kindness. That we can be caring and loving and affirming of people, especially those we disagree with. Help us to see the strength, how you redefine strength in your kingdom. And Lord, grant us discernment and wisdom on how to engage the political process. Help us to be informed. Help us to vote. It's a, it's a privilege that we have here to have a voice and to be able to express that. Give us discernment on how to do that well. But wherever and whoever we vote for, help us to pursue civility and kindness, especially for those we don't naturally agree with. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.